to Nehemiah chapter 4. There are a lot of guests with us today. Okay. But we have two with us that I really wanted to introduce to everybody. If you haven't already met them, they are. I'm going to call them the missionaries in residence. Okay. Chris and Brooke Mackle Ravy. Did I get close to that? Okay. All right. And I, I know it's embarrassing, but I want you to stand up so that folks can see who you are so they'll be friendly. All standing. Look at that. They're pew packers, Brother Ronnie. We're proud to have them with us, and, and uh, they've got a lot to do being uh, missionaries on furlough. They, they're here, there, and yonder, but I think that uh, Chris is going to be able to preach for us this next Sunday morning, and I'm looking forward to that. And uh, you bring friends, and, and he's just going to share whatever God led him to share. I hope it's something with his work or with missions. Whatever God leads you to share, brother, you, you feel free to do it. We will make sure you're welcome here. If you need anything, let us know. We will be glad to help with that. Right, church? Okay, and so uh, we are very pleased then. There are lots of other guests, and we want you to feel special too. So welcome to Gasville Baptist Church. Nehemiah chapter 4, and we'll read different parts of this. I'm going to read uh, several scriptures, beginning with verse 1. Now, you'll remember that Nehemiah has come back. Uh, there he's leading the remnant, okay? Uh, the nation has been judged, even though that remnant, some of them are trickling back, uh, Jerusalem is still in disrepair. The walls are still unbuilt. The temple is still not built. Uh, there's refuge and garbage all around where the walls should be. Uh, it's a sad situation. They're being oppressed by those enemies around them. Uh, Nehemiah hears of it. God lays on his heart what to do. And he's come back to build the wall. Okay? And so verse 4, I mean chapter 4 verse 1 says this. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren uh, and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads, and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity, nor let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger against the builders. Notice verse 6. So we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. That happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Hashadites, all those ites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored, and the gaps were beginning to be closed, and they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for such a good Sunday morning crowd. I thank you that your word is going forth uh, all over the world through our missionaries. Lord, through uh, the Christian brothers and sisters around the world that we have not met. Lord, uh, be with them, protect them, watch over them. 
Uh, let them bring glory to your name. Father, I pray for our servicemen and women. They're in harm's way for our freedom so that we can enjoy days like today where we come aside to worship. Protect them. Be with them. Father, be with us in the sense that you calm our minds and our hearts. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Let your word come alive. Let it be very clear and understandable. Let us respond in a positive way to the things that you would have us to do today. Father, for some sitting within the sound of my voice, they've never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as their personal Lord and Savior. And that is their greatest need. So convict them about that need and give them obedient spirits to work on that. And Father, as you do these things for us, we'll leave this place, not only saying it was good in your house, but praising your name because, Father, you alone are worthy. I pray these things in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I wanted to look at this uh, today about Nehemiah and uh, really uh, working. Are you working for God? Now, I believe that if you're going to work for God, that there's one quality that we need probably as much as anything else, okay? And the best way I can describe it is, uh, okay, if, if you have a military commander, let's say he's a colonel or a general, and he's got a division below him, and he's facing a battle the next day, that night, everybody looks, and he's not worried. His, his men take strength that he's calm. He's walking around greeting them. He's telling them tomorrow's going to be a big day and we're going to carry the day. And, and that military, military commander can do it because of this. He knows what his unit has done in the past and how successful they are. He knows that they are ready in the present and looking to the future, he's sure that they will carry the day again. The British call that attitude being steady. You can call it what you want. But see, being steady means I hold the line. Being steady means I can be counted on. Being steady means I don't back up, I don't retreat, I don't quit. When you take that in working for God, you need to understand we can be confident in the work we do for the kingdom because we remember what God has done in the past. We remember what God is doing in the present and we look forward to ultimate victory one day because God has promised us exactly that. So what are we to learn from this passage of Scripture? Spiritual work requires diligence and dependence. Spiritual work requires diligence and dependence. You see... When we work for God, we depend on Him, dependence. And we diligently obey His instructions, dependence and diligence. So how does that work out? There are about three or four things. If I hurry, we'll get out on time. If you respond, we'll get out even quicker. If you don't, mm, not so much. I know you're ready to eat, Brother Ronnie. See, the first truth I want you to learn from this, I think it's a spiritual truth we can all apply to our lives, is this. When we work for God, there will be opposition. Did you hear that? When you work for God, when I work for God, doesn't matter where we're at, what the circumstances, when you truly work for God, there is going to be opposition. 
This is pointed out in this section of Scripture. The, the first three verses, they start building the wall, and, and the enemies of God's people, Samballot, uh, and then uh, the Tobiah, and, and all those, they begin to uh, resist. They begin to stand up. They want to fight. They want to say, no, you can't do that. You see, when we fight to work for God, there's going to be opposition. Point A under that is our work will often be subject to ridicule. Our work will often be subject to ridicule. Sam Ballot says, are they going to build in the middle of the refuge, the garbage that's surrounding the city? Are they going to take stones that are actually burned and crumbling? They're going to build a wall out of that? The other guy standing beside him pipes up and says, yeah, even if a fox walks up on their wall, it'll collapse. You see, sometimes when you work for God and God has placed it on your heart, and you know God has placed it on your heart, you need to understand there's going to be opposition. And the work that you're trying to do oftentimes will be made fun of. They'll castigate you. They'll do anything they can to get you to stop working for God. Ridicule. And if you care more about what man says and what God intends, you'll fall to that ridicule. Point B is, our work will often lead others to conspire against us. If you start reading in verses 8 and verse 11, it says, All of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. In verse 10, Judah said, The strength of labors is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. What an encouragement, even from your own camp. We can't do it! Verse 11 says, all of our adversaries said they will neither know nor see anything till we come upon their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. You see, when the work, there'll be people that are going to stop the work. They're going to conspire against you. All right? So, well, I, I don't know about that, brother. Yeah, if you're really working for God, if you're stirring up uh, and invading the kingdom of Satan, there's going to be opposition and folks will conspire to say, we've never done it that way before. We've got to put an end to this. We don't do things that way. This has got to stop. You know, we don't know about reaching this kind of people. They're not our kind of people. I've heard it again and again and again over the years through the pastor. And they always catch it in some kind of spiritual terminology. Well, Brother Gary, you know, if you get this kind of people in here, they're going to influence the church in ways that you don't want the church influenced. Oh, you mean they're going to be on fire for God and some of you are going to get a little bit excited? I want to tell you something. It's always easier to calm uh, somebody down just a little bit. It's a little too over the top than it is to raise the dead. We need to understand that. You see, point C is opposition to our work is often a test. Verse 10, even Judah says, there's too much rubbish. We can't do it. The test says you're going to go on and see what God's going to do. Are you going to be faithful to what God has for you to do? Okay? See, Satan doesn't want us working for God. It's too much of a witness. People take notice. You stand out in the crowd. I'm going to say this, and I want you to hear it. The higher the priority of the work of God in our lives. Did you get that? The higher the priority of the work of God in our lives, the fiercer the opposition will become. When you sell out to God, you better be ready because Satan's coming with a big old stick. Some of God's people are going to take pot shots at you. 
I've told you before, it's like turtles on a log. If you ever watch them, now this is just my observation, you can watch turtles on a log, and the only one they're hissing at and complaining about is the guy in there swimming. Because he's bothering them because they're on the log sunning. And so if you watch them, he'll swim up there getting near the log. <laughs> they got to be Baptist turtles. <laughs> you see, you need to expect opposition. Many, many years ago when that movie, The Passion of Christ, came out, there was all kinds of fear over it here and abroad. The critics said that it was anti-Semitic. Okay. Others said it's too brutal. There's too much savagery in it. Well, yeah, Jesus had a pretty savage death. And I began to wonder, why was there so much opposition? And then it clicked to me. Why was there so much opposition? Because it put the name of Jesus and the work of Jesus on the cross front and center for all of America to see. And Satan didn't want that. You may say, well, I'm just a little. You are, but God gave you a lot. When you work for him, there's going to be opposition. Don't quit. Don't apologize. Don't back up. Make sure you're working for God and go forward. The second truth is this. When we work for God, faithfulness is required. Faithfulness is required. Verse 6 says, so we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Faithfulness. Verse 21 says it this way, so we labored in the work, and half the men held spears from daylight until dark. At the same time, I said the people, let each man and his servants stay the night in Jerusalem. In other words, they were faithful. They kept their focus. Nothing was going to deter them. God was doing a work. There wasn't any explanation that in the midst of this rubble, in the midst of this destruction, in the midst of threats, in the midst of what could be a despairing situation because they were so tired, God gave them a vision. God gave them a heart for the work. And they built it and sealed it up up to half its height. Wow. Because of faithfulness. And anything we do in life for Jesus Christ, we base on faithfulness of handling the opposition. I remember uh, watching uh, Walter Payton of the Chicago Bears when he was alive and playing. And, and uh, he was one of my heroes because on the field and off the field, he was the same. And he lived out what he believed off the field. And he, he took the seriousness of being a role model. And on this particular Monday night football, they were talking that he had rushed for over nine miles carrying that football. And then one of the commentators said, you didn't get that right. What do you mean? He rushed for nine miles getting knocked down every 4.6 yards. He said, the key to being a running back, the key... And this is for life also. Isn't whether how far we're going. It's when we get knocked down. Do we hop back up and go again? Because every time he got knocked down. He hopped up and went again. And that's the key for us. Is faithfulness. Some folks have been hurt. I want to tell you something. If you haven't realized it yet. Are you ready? Baptist churches. If you allow them will hurt you. If you have a chip on your shoulder, there are official chip knocker offers in every Baptist church. 
I don't know who appointed them, but they'll find you. They're also part of the wet blanket committee. And if you haven't experienced that, if you're working for God, you will. Now, that's a terrible thing to say, Brother Gary. I didn't say they were bad people. They just don't understand what they're doing. I'm not even going to say that they do it deliberately because I don't think they do. It's just that they're scratching their head at, why are you so fired up? I don't feel that way. So instead of getting angry, instead of fighting, just pray for them, love on them, and go on. You know that my nature is, unfortunately, hostile. (laughs) Yeah, my wife is giggling over here. She can't believe I'm admitting that. But the Holy Spirit works on me all the time because he says, that's not my nature. You don't have to fight. You don't have to take revenge. God said he would fight for us. Vengeance was his. And my father-in-law said, Gary, if they were perfect, why would they need you as a pastor? He told me what he really thought about me, if you'll think about that. But his point was, you're not to fight. You're to love and lead. That's not just for me. We do this work. There's going to be opposition. Love and lead. Love and lead. Love and lead. Go on. The third thing is this. When we work for God, we're supposed to arm ourselves. Now, I'm not telling you to be a pistol-toting, Bible-thumping, shoot-them-if-they-don't-agree kind of person. But you see, when you start looking at this... Uh, he prays when they make a threat. It says, turn their reproach on their own head in verses 4 and 5. And then in verses 9 and 10, uh, he says, he prays again. We set a watch against them. Okay? You can keep going on. And as you go on down into the passage, pastor, I'm thinking about cows or something. I don't know what that is. Okay? Uh, Verse 20 says, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, and our God will fight for us. We labored in the work, and half the men held spears until daybreak, from daybreak till the stars started coming out. Daylight to dark. See, they armed themselves. The first thing they did, they armed themselves with prayer. Through this chapter, you'll see, no matter what the threat was, no matter what it was, Nehemiah led the people by praying. God, you fight for us. God, this is your work. God, this is dependent upon you. You see, it's not about us. It's for God to gain glory. They could not have built that wall without God helping them. We can't do anything that counts for the kingdom of God unless we depend on Him. And we need to pray and arm ourselves by prayer. We need to arm ourselves by depending on God. Because we say, He'll fight for us. He'll do it. We depend on Him. Now listen, work as if everything depends on us. Pray as if everything depends on God. Because it does. And we need to depend on Him for His leadership, for His wisdom, for His power, for His grace in the situations. And we're armed, thirdly, by trusting in one another. When you read this passage, they weren't fighting among each other. They stood side by side trusting. Later on, the guys with the, with the spears and the swords on themselves would stand behind those working. Some of those working would strap a sword this way or hold a spear in this hand and work with the other hand as they're doing the mortar work. Vanus, how would you like to try to do that concrete work one-handed? He's retired from that, but that's what he used to do. 
But you see, they were arming themselves by trusting one another. Listen to me. I want you to hear me. You need to be involved in a Sunday school class to get to know folks and trust folks. When we have socials, potlucks, whatever you want to call them, parties, I call it a good time. You call it what you want to. You need to come. Well, why do I want to come? So you can get to know folks and they can get to know you. You learn to trust each other as you eat a meal. People that truly eat together and get along together don't fight together. They trust one another. Well, they don't talk to me when I come. Really? How old are you? Talk to them. Make them talk to you. I've had church members that wouldn't talk to me. I just follow them around trying to get them to shake my hand. They just get mad. And if you really do that to me, watch me sometime. I can back somebody in the corner because I just invade their bubble. Everybody has a bubble. There's very few people who have a smaller bubble than I do, so I just go right in there. Bad breath and all. How are you doing? They'll back up, but they'll get to where they stick that hand out there because they don't want you getting any closer. As I said, I'm a little ornery. Not much, just a little. So, armed by prayer, armed by depending on God, armed by trusting one another, and armed by planning. See? You know the work of God's got to be done. What's your plan? What did God give you the vision to do it? Here's the thing. You understand that, that <clears throat> here Nehemiah is, and he hears about all these threats, and they're going to try to come upon them unforeseen through all this rubble and slay them and kill them and stop the work of God. And he has the trumpeter beside him, and he said, wherever we're at and we see the trouble, you hear the trumpet, come to us. We'll fight them together. No long-ranger Christians, don't go out on your own and say, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. No, you cooperate with other Christians and get the plan together and then do what God tells you to do. Long-ranger Christians get shot. They get hurt. And then they're mad at the church because the church didn't go with them. The church didn't vote to do that, did they? Hello. You see... The book of Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 10, tells us about the armor of God and where to put it on. You need to read that and make sure that you're putting that on every day, getting ready for what God has for you to do. I'm not going to take the time to read it to you, but it's Ephesians Ephesians 6, beginning verse 10. We need to ask, are we prepared? Are we willing to work? Are we willing to work together? The saddest thing that I've experienced as a pastor, and not here, but in other places was, well, don't put me on that committee. Well, why not? I need you on that committee. I can't work with so-and-so. What? And so my prayer becomes this. God, when they die, they're going to heaven. Let them be neighbors. (laughs) You know, God has a sense of humor like that. And that may be vindictive of me. I don't know. But I just think God has a sense enough of humor that those people that just get underneath my skin. You ever have people that do that? You mean, you know, you, you know they just, mm, they just, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You're going to act like nobody ever did that to you, do you? Just be good then. Work together. The last thing. When we work for God, victory is dependent upon Him. We've read it before. 
Verse 6, so we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, and the people had a mind to work. Verse 14 says this. He says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. See, he's telling them, look, we're in this battle together, y'all, and, and we're dependent upon God. He's going to give us uh, uh, victory. We have to bathe it in prayer. We have to be diligent. We have to be faithful to answer God's call, to do it how he says to do it. And sometimes we need to ask, are they really against God's work or are they against the way we're doing it? You say, well, what's that? Do we have a haughty spirit? If you're not part of my ministry, you just really don't count here. That's what the Corinthian church had. Or do we just great people? Sort of like a buzzsaw. Oh, yeah, well, I'll get you. Some Baptists are buzzsaw Baptists. They got buzzsaw mouths. I don't know about y'all. They didn't think that was funny. But you see, the key is if victory is there, we have to depend on God. And sometimes it just takes plain old perseverance. Have you ever read uh, the comic strip Peanuts? Let me see. Have, have you? So raise your hands. A few of you. Well, now, I'm going to share a fact with you. The people who do IQ tests says when you read comics, you're either brilliant or you're the exact opposite. So I'm going to assume that y'all are brilliant. Some of you others need to get on the stick. But here's what I want you to know. Charles Schultz wrote that. And... At the time of his retirement, uh, he was in 2,600 newspapers around the world. They, the business that he provided was a billion dollars a year through the comics. You know, with merchandise, the syndication, all that. You see, it was only in seven papers when it started back in 1950. And they became a daily feature for almost 50 years. But see, Charles Schultz almost didn't get off the ground. Do you realize that he, he started learning to draw through a correspondence mail course? You know, that one says, send us your money. We'll send you this, and you can learn to draw. And when he first submitted, they said, your, your drawings of children is lousy. And nobody wanted to do it. Uh, he had done a few for his high school yearbook because that's all he could do. And they said it was so bad they wouldn't print it in the yearbook. On and on it went until he got into the first seven newspapers. And from there it took off. When asked about it, he said, look, I knew I just had to keep on drawing. I had to keep on doing what I was supposed to do, which was to draw. God has a higher purpose for all of us. The way you earn your living is not your purpose. God gives you that to support your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify Him. Your purpose is to tell others about Him. Your purpose is to be conformed to the image of Christ. So one day we walk through the pearly gates and say, Hallelujah, we're going to Hallelujah Square. Sounds good to me. No more pain, no more suffering. But you see, it starts with depending on Him for the victory. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you've been having a rough time. Maybe the devil is lambasting you. Maybe even some friends. But you see, God has something for you to do. 
I can tell you God's will. Here it is. If you have not publicly accepted Jesus Christ by placing your faith in his atoning work and repenting of your sins, that's God's will for you this morning. If you are not growing in Christ and serving him, that's God's will for you this morning. Some need to come and accept Christ as their Savior. Some need to come and join this church and put your life and work here. Some need to come in rededication or call to special service. Some that have been hurt need to come and lay your hurts at the cross and leave them there. But whatever God wants you to do, He calls you to do today while He is speaking. While He is touching your heart. Do not harden as in the day of rebellion is what the book of Hebrews says. So I'm going to pray. We're going to stand and sing. And you come as you need to come. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time because you are here. And I just ask that your will would be done. And that Father, Christ would be glorified in the midst of what you're doing among your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Will you stand please?